0: I'm Graham Barnes, and this is The Schema. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Scott Kent about healthcare consolidation, how to get it right, why it's taking place, and how it will deliver better healthcare outcomes for patients. Scott, thanks for being with us today. Before we jump in, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your role and about North Shore. So I'm Senior Vice President of the
1: Clinically Integrated Network for North Shore University Edward Elmhurst Health System. A mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm working for an organization that has had a number of mergers in the past three years. Uh, Legacy North Shore University Health System along Lake Michigan on the northern suburbs of Chicago merged. Three years ago with Swedish Hospital, an independent hospital on the north side of the city. A year later, Northwest Community Hospital, another independent hospital in the northwest suburbs. And then just this past January with Edward Elmhurst, a two hospital system plus a behavioral health hospital in the western suburbs. So it's really become one of the largest health systems in the Chicago metropolitan area and it's a really interesting time and very exciting time to be at the organization as this new health system is really forming and coming together.
0: Right, wow, well, you know, we certainly see a lot of consolidation in the healthcare industry, and that's clearly something that you all at North Shore have been living for the past three years or so, so how's that process going? Uh, It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of
1: culture change, and as you can imagine, since there was a merger for each of the past three years. One merger, integration work starts, followed by another, and the integration work changes, and then again, a a third time. And so there's a lot of uh, re-imagining of what it means to be one health system currently as the new culture and the new healthcare system is being formed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You clearly have a lot of experience, you know, consolidating health systems, but, you know, mergers can be really tough and many leaders struggle to actually get buy-in from, you know, the folks at the legacy organizations that they're merging with. So, I guess as broader consolidation continues to occur in the market, what are the critical steps that healthcare leaders need to take in order to, you know, ensure that they're able to achieve a successful integration? Where do you start? Very interesting question and
1: I will say it's a lesson that I learned over and over again in my career and I'm uh, relearning it yet once again and it's the power of personal connections. So mm-hmm. typically we all are have an affiliation with our predecessor organization. It's almost somewhat of a loyalty to that organization. And so when the mergers start to occur You're creating a new culture and it can be really hard for us to let go of the old culture. We want things to be the same. But what I have found is that as an individual, if we just start talking with one another and developing relationships, which takes a lot of effort and work and time, you'll find commonalities and you can start building from those commonalities towards a core purpose whatever that may be, sometimes it's a quick win. In my world in population health, it could be around cancer screenings, right? Uh Those are common things where people align on colonoscopies, which is always a challenge for folks, right, to get scheduled and in. But yet all of the legacy organizations, that's a common goal. And so if you just start focusing on those common goals, uh, where people are aligned and have an interest, you start breaking down some of those barriers and some of the walls we put up as individuals when we merge. And I, I think that power of personal connection, building those relationships on common shared goals really helps
0: facilitate the integration right. work. And maybe, yeah, don't start with uh, the most difficult beast to <laughs> slay, but maybe some of the, the low-hanging fruit to start with and, and get those quick wins to, to sort of develop that, that relationship, right?
1: Yeah, I think as an industry, we probably don't do that very well. We probably all go for the really hard stuff first, but there is something to be said about some of the smaller quick wins that really help propel engagement and interest. And then
0: it's a little bit easier to start working on the bigger things if you have so some common. May, maybe wins. moving into one of those bigger things, more challenging. I think it is clearly important from a fundamental perspective to, you know, get the, the governance strategy aligned correctly when Absolutely. thinking about you know bringing together a handful of legacy systems as you all have so what have you found to be a successful approach to establishing a new merged governance structure that is inclusive of voices across you know the various organizations that you're trying to bring together and push towards one common goal
1: that's actually something that I think is really core tenant that is needed in mergers and coming together as a new system is a shared governance structure, almost like a hub and spoke type of model, uh, where at the common core, governance is made up of folks who are from all of the local areas, both administrative leaders, but as well providers who are out in the trenches every day taking care of patients and trying to improve patient outcomes, coming together at the core to really help solidify what the new organization is but then being able to have that two-way communication with their local site or their predecessor organization or whatever the case may be, and being able to take that message back and share with the local site and the leaders what's happening at the new core system. Sometimes I find people will criticize that, gee, that really slows down our Uh decision-making, which it can, but yet at the same time, I've found a very successful model where we present issues and have conversations at the central level. And then we ask to have uh, the individuals take that back to their local site and have the conversation and gather input uh, and questions that come up from the local site and then bring it back to the core for decision-making. And i found it really helps folks feel like they have an ownership in how the new organization's being formed and the decisions that are being made And folks understand that, oh gee, there's a voice for our predecessor organization or the local site being part of the new organization. It's not necessarily just one organization coming in taking over, but it's really being inclusive of everyone at all sites and building that shared governance structure
0: to help propel the organization forward on their strategies. Right. So yeah, it's something that you know, maybe it adds a little bit of time to the process. But when the stakes are very high, as they are in, in many you know, health system acquisitions and merges yep. and consolidation, I think it's really critical that you, you take that time and be really thoughtful and, and get it right. And I think also you know, in that vein, change management is also you know, obviously critical to a successful transition, you know, ensuring that the new organization is able to harness all the strengths and benefit from the newfound scale but also while mitigating like organizational risk in that process. So what change management practices, processes have have you found to be valuable to leading a, a group of organizations through this type of transition? I think it's actually a
1: combination of what we just talked about, which is building those personal relationships across the organization and the shared governance, which results in spending a lot of time together and getting to know the organization as a whole. So uh, actually something that has just occurred as a result of all of our mergers is around the concept of skilled nursing utilization. Uh So we have found through all of these conversations in our shared governance model that one part of our organization really precipitated by the pandemic was around really examining every patient that was potentially going to be discharged to a skilled nursing facility I'm pulling together a multidisciplinary team to talk about that and what the alternatives were. And it's become very hardwired in our organization for that legacy uh, part of pre-merger institution. Mm-hmm. And we're now scaling that across the entire organization and expanding that model. At the same time, another part of our organization had developed a really great nurse practitioner model being located within the skilled nursing facility to help manage the length of stay. And that was just at one of our organizations. We're now taking that concept and attempting to scale it again across the full organization. So we're taking really two best practices uh, and pulling that together in one skilled nursing utilization program, if you will, and scaling it. And I don't know as though we would have been able to accomplish that as quickly or as effectively if we hadn't had the shared governance and building all those personal relationships where individuals say, oh, wow, you know what? I'm really interested in managing length the stay and SNFs as well. Right. Tell us yeah. how you did that, right? And it's building that relationship that has propelled it. Even though, again, it takes a little bit of time to put all the pieces together to get buy-in from all the local sites, but those conversations really helped create alignment say this is what we wanna do as our new organization.
0: Yeah, I think those are great examples of how you, know, you can really benefit from the scale by identifying and, and leveraging and, and scaling best practices that maybe were operating within one of the legacy systems and have applicability to the whole system and can really help to sort of accelerate improvement of processes and, and hopefully at the end of the day, you know, patient outcomes. So you all, you know like most of our customers, like you all, operate within the clinical integration, population health, value-based care, sort of vertical or organization within the broader health system. Mm -hmm. So how are those specific kinds of initiatives and the goal to advance those initiatives considered throughout the overarching merging and acquisition strategy of a broader health system?
1: So I have found through many of the pre-merger discussions and why organizations want to merge, not only in this role, but in previous roles at other organizations I served, That actually coming together on population health and developing a CIN that is essentially focused on the quadruple aim is really one of the primary drivers of why organizations want to merge. I think there's really a keen understanding amongst leadership. It's hard to argue. Why would anyone want to argue about trying to improve patient outcomes and the patient experience, which we know is so key these days, especially with competition, and we are all aware of the burdens placed on physician every day and all the work they have to do. So improving the physician experience, those to me seem to be really the common driver behind a lot of the health system mergers and the reasons why.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned patient experience. So how do you you know, in the context of bringing legacy organizations that each had their own brand and their specific, you know, markets or regions, how do you keep patient experience sort of at the center of, you know, your thinking when trying to pull together a successful integration of those health systems and really consolidating around one brand and one sort of cohesive patient experience strategy? That seems like it's something that will probably be pretty challenging in that whole process. It is, and
1: I would say you're probably getting a little more into the branding and communications and marketing area, but it's really helping patients develop a relationship with their providers and having that provider help work with that patient to understand the benefits of you're in a system and I am on staff at so-and-so. So if you go to that hospital, I can see what happens to you and I m- know more what's happening with your care and I can help you then once you're discharged because I have access to more data to help sure. you navigate and mm-hmm. build more of that relationship between the providers and the patient.
0: I think that's a great example where the clinical integration achieved through consolidation is actually like a, a huge value add for the system, but also can really be articulated as a value add to the patient, yep. um, you know, which, which you know, is obviously a, a huge net benefit. So I think we, you know, we've kind of discussed some of the value drivers or you know, reasons why you, know, you can benefit from scale throughout consolidation, but what are the challenges to delivering high value coordinated care? Uh, presented by operating, you know, a large, recently consolidated health system. Uh,
1: but yeah, that's a really very relevant question for organizations <laughs> that are going through mergers because, uh, so for example, in my organization, we uh, are an Epic shop, but we have three different instances of Epic, right? and we have three different financial and general ledger accounting systems. So the challenges are... If I'm trying to take care of a large population of patients, how do I access the data to help understand how I'm doing as one organization and tapping into pulling all of that information and data from other organizations that have different definitions for metrics and different populations? So those are really some of the initial work that we try to do is to align on metric definitions and how
0: we pull data and
1: arriving at commonalities
0: yeah now talking about the uh, challenges of managing that data integration to create a unified system of data across you know all the enterprise you know that's probably a 30-minute conversation for another day you know going through all those challenges you know i I am curious though like when an emerged organization comes together particularly in the value-based care pop health space each of those legacy organizations probably has a distinct appetite for and experience managing risk. And, you know, that's something that you all do and have done for a long time. So I'm curious, when thinking about risk strategy for the combined organization, how do you find the right balance when working through things like value-based contracting? Are you, you know, looking to the organization that's been most progressive or aggressive and sort of taking on risk? Or is there a need to maybe scale that back a bit for, you know, risk mitigation strategy? Like, how do you guys think through that? Uh, I would say all of those. So, yes, um, again, another
1: challenge. So, one of the primary things that uh, I have found we have to do first is just align the portfolio to understand what are all of the risk arrangements that our predecessor organizations are in and what does that look like for our system. And then it's really tapping into folks that may have more experience in say capitation and pulling Mm -hmm. them into the conversations to help their peers at the other organizations understand and see a different vantage point and see how another organization has perhaps played in that space, if you will. But I also think just being able to present data as to where we are. So one of the first things, uh, I've been at North Shore for 14 months, and one of the refrains I heard when I started was the common, oh, when we, we're, we need to get ready for Medicare Advantage. Well, when we started pulling together what our payer portfolio was and what our uh, Medicare Advantage portfolio was, we already realized that, wow, over the past three years, the unique number of Medicare patients that the organization served had increased by 23%, just aging population. But when we peeled that back, there was a 71% growth in Medicare Advantage. And so we kind of quickly answered that question about how do we get ready for Medicare Advantage to, we're already in Medicaid. So we now have to pivot to manage what we already have, which creates a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. to help make some of those changes and learn more about how other predecessor organizations have managed risk and different way of thinking as they move forward as one organization. I guess it's just
0: another example where you're able to take lessons learned from the individual organizations. And, you know, if you all have had a great experience by, you know, managing, you know, MSSP risk or something, and then that can be brought into the broader organization. Or if one legacy system has done really well and, you know, capitated commercial agreements, for example, then, you know, you're just able to leverage those best practices and then hopefully be able to scale them across the broader organization. I guess, you know, that may be tease up a question. How do you think through, you know, we've talked about how you're identifying best practices by you know, looking at successes from legacy organizations. How do you think through the process of then trying to scale those changes across you know, a huge system that's recently been consolidated? So in my experience, I have found
1: uh, that more or less folks who are in population health We all kind of speak the same language and our language is a little different than the rest of the health system. So we tend to have a bond. At the same time, it's pretty easy for folks to see, wow, we're managing XYZ contract and there's a lot of administrative components to it. And when we come together, we're doing it three times over. Right. (laughs) And so folks quickly say, why are we doing that? Like It makes a lot of sense for us to just do it one time, even though we may have to do it for three different organizations. But that allows us to tap into the resources that exist and maybe manage that contract a little more robustly than we have. But then we have other resources now that are available to help us expand in other areas. And I have found in the past that smaller organizations and merge into larger organizations at the smaller organizations people wear many hats and they have a lot of things to do and when they have an opportunity to really get in and manage one function and to really expand it they find it personally rewarding so there's kind of a natural like oh wow i would really like to be able to expand care management to what my vision had been. And when we have the larger organization, pulling those resources together gives us that opportunity to do that. And people find that rewarding. So one of those examples actually is how we've hired Arcadia for our value-based care services that will go live on January 1st and helping us from three predecessor different organizations come together as one. It's a lot of work for us to go live. You're doing a great job (laughs) of being patient with us as we uh, attempt to go live, but that's going to give us this great opportunity to have one Arcadia vendor to help us with that, and then it's freeing up resources that I'm able to use in other ways around physician engagement and thinking about patient experience, for example, and ways that we can work with our providers in improving really all of the care that we're providing.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's really a really exciting time to be at North Shore and to be working with you all. I mean, I think you, you all have become one of the largest you know, health systems in the Northeast Illinois, Chicago market. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a great privilege for us to be able to work with you guys. So I think you know maybe you know, we've definitely talked about a lot of the advantages and processes and approaches to optimize healthcare system integrations, we know that they can be fraught and, you know, there's no shortage of headlines about either failed or challenging mergers. So as someone who's like led those processes, you know, multiple times, what do you see as maybe some of the blind spots that organizations should be aware of or pitfalls when going through uh, provider system integration maybe to avoid uh, in the future?
1: That's a tough question. I have a personal (laughs) bias that we could do a much better job of preparing our leaders and the folks who are working at our organization for what is like life after the merger happens. Right. So we spend a lot of time when we're thinking about merging with another organization and putting a lot of effort into making that merger happen, the dating, if you will. Yes. <laughs> And then we get to the wedding reception and we have a big (laughs) celebration, right? And everybody celebrates that we made the merger happen. But then the tough part comes where we have to move in together and we learn differences like, oh, wow, you're a morning person, but I'm a night (laughs) person. Uh, And you try to navigate that. But then you realize, well, gee, we really want to have a family and... As we think about it, if we this could work out really well to have a morning person and a night person help us manage the family. I think we have an opportunity to really help leaders prepare for what happens after the wedding reception uh, and understand more what the reality is going to be like and preparing for that hard work. We do a lot of work in change management really kind of as we're going through the change management, but it's preparing to have the and understand
0: that change is coming and what that means for us. Right, I really love that that wedding analogy and maybe it's a, a thread we can continue to draw on. Well, Scott, it's it's been a great discussion. I uh, really appreciate it and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Always great to talk to you again. Of course. <laughs>